Hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of Xavier Uncovered podcast I am your guest host for the evening Anindo Mitra Well Albert Einstein had once said true art is characterized by an irresistible urge in the creative artist Our guest today is a connoisseur of art and no less of an artist himself a writer whose creative genius has given us the famous detective Mr Jonathan Maiti and whom we proudly call our own Mr Bhaskar Chattopadhyay thank you so much for having me so you've had a very wonderful journey and a steep upward rise in your career trajectory you know from working in the largest mnc's like everyday genpack and then capital one you worked in you had a stint in uh, cognizant as well so how did this idea of becoming a writer Uh, come to your mind was there something like you always wanted to do well i used to uh, write as a child uh, in school uh, and later through college as well i used to write for the college magazine and so on and so forth but uh, serious writing is something which i started doing you know only when i was in in a job and i remember i was with cognizant technology solutions at that point of time in between projects we used to be on something which is called the bench so i had just come out of a project there was nothing uh, much to do except for to wait for my next assignment a lot of coffee a lot of free time and uh, a lot of time to think so um it was during that time that i um just you know just for the sake of it you know i picked up a Uh, a novel or a novella which i had read as a child uh, and i this was i was fascinated by that novella it was by uh, an an author named a very veteran famous author named um shishendra mukhopadhyay it was a bengali novella and i had liked it so much that i picked it up and i translated it into english just keep it like that but um uh, there's a friend of mine who read it and who said that uh you know he'd like me to send it to one of the publishers because there is a lot of potential in it so i did that i sent it to a publisher um not just one publisher i sent it to a number of publishers in fact and it got standard rejection slips from all of them um and then um a friend of mine who was also from uh, ximb um her name is Sarika Pandit uh, she had written a book um um uh, and she was from my batch she had written a book and it got published so she connected me with a literary agent who is now my literary agent and i wrote to this guy and uh, i got a response in about half an hour saying that well i love what you've written and i'm going to send it to publishers so uh, harper collins made an offer the very next day what's funny is that harper collins had sent me a rejection slip earlier and i had not changed a single word from what i had sent them so uh, i don't know what happened so there i was with an offer and that's how my first book happened uh, it's called uh, no child's play yeah so that's how it all happened uh, i never thought in my in my wildest dreams that i'd be a writer i'd be like a full time writer someday i i used to admire the profession but i never thought that this is something that i would ever take up myself wonderful wonderful anyways we'll uh, move forward and then uh, 
we'd like to come towards XIMB a little bit like you are, you know, you're an alum of the 2002-04 batch. So an alum from the 2004-2006 batch, you know, made a very big claim, uh, which I'm sure you must be the best person to answer. So his claim was that uh, his batch has invented the the whole idea of what an X-Walk is. So here it goes. Have you ever well, been uh, on an X-Walk? Well, well, well yes. And... Uh... You know, with all due respect to this, uh, to this lady uh, and the gentleman who has claimed this, I would say that the X walk uh, was always there. Maybe what this, uh, uh, you know, this person has done very cleverly is to brand it. So I, I don't know. Perhaps must be very good in marketing or something. But to answer your question, yes, I have been on X walks uh, quite a few times with just one. Uh, uh, lady, uh, to be honest, and uh, that lady is now uh, my wife. She's from the same batch, actually. So uh, you said right now you met your wife here at XIMB, and how supportive she has been towards your aspiration, you know, given that both of you had a career trajectory set in, in, in the corporate. The support from Shweta is is omnipresent, you know. It's, it's a part and parcel uh, of my life. When I made up my mind to quit my job and become a full-time writer uh, and an entrepreneur, um, she was very supportive. She said, yeah, I mean, you must do this because, you know, this is the right time to do it. Uh, um, there will be a time, whatever passion you have for writing, you know, irrespective of that, you would not be able to do it. So this is the right time to do it. Go ahead and do it. Um, there are times when, you know, I have self-doubt um, and she would you know, come and sit quietly beside me and say that, you know, uh, everything's cool. Um, uh, there's no uh, point thinking about it. All that we have to do is to keep moving ahead. The other kind of support, which uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little funny, really. Um, the other kind of support which I received from Shweta is that she is my greatest critic in the sense that she has not even read a single sentence that I've ever so that <laughs> sort of kind of you know like uh, keeps me grounded i guess i mean i mean there is somebody at home my own wife she has not written even a single word that i've ever written uh, so i have to write better i have to work harder is something that i always keep telling myself so yeah i mean that kind of support is also there from us wonderful thank you shweta ma'am for all the support that you've given bhaskar sir so uh take going a little bit back and you know in your XIMB life itself. So I've been meaning to ask you. So generally, people say, alums say, um, whoever comes on campus, whoever we get a chance to interact with, that XIMB always has had a long-lasting impact on them. So could you please speak about a few of the fondest memories that you have from campus? One of the, one of the fondest memories that I have uh, from way back uh, is the birthday celebrations. Uh, that was... That was really something, you know, it was very touching, actually. You know, here we were, a bunch of students, uh, uh, hostel life, a lot of pressure, as you guys uh, uh, very well know. Uh, uh, you know, when I say pressure, I mean academic pressure. Um, quite a few of us were, you know, staying away from our, you know, from home um, for the first time. It wasn't so with me, but then it was, uh, I'm sure, for uh, many other students, it was that way. Um and uh, here we we were a group of friends, a very large group of friends, and so on and so forth. And during the birthdays, uh, and we used to have one 
almost every day uh, because it was a large batch size and everything. I'm sure now with a larger batch size, you guys must be having multiple birthdays on the same day, so on and so forth. Uh, but back then, um, what we used to do is there used to be this hotel called Swasti, uh, which was close by. Um, uh, yeah, we right, have it. right, right. So I, I used to be the cultural secretary uh of the batch so uh, one of the responsibilities that i had was to uh, go to swasti hotel and get a birthday cake uh, almost on an everyday basis uh for uh, you know the birthday boy or the birthday girl um sometimes as to if there is to be multiple birthdays on the same day so you used to get a larger cake and so on and so forth um and we used to all of us we used to at you know after dinner we used to come out uh in front of the boys hostel and we used to you know set up a small table with a with the birthday cake and candles and everything and we used to surround uh, uh the cake and the birthday boy or the birthday girl used to cut the cake and that was a really really fun time and after that oh my god oh when i think about those you know those birthday bumps you know those you know i was i you know i i got a few myself you know um Yeah, and i think i was one of the earliest ones to me and another lady by the name of geetika saxena uh good friend uh she and i we were one of the earliest people to uh you know to have our birthday celebrations because i think the batch starts in june uh, that's when uh, our birthday was geetika's and mine um so um so yeah so so there was that you know so i I believe I must have gotten my own cake <laughs> that night. Um so so that was one of the fondest uh, uh memories we had. I was also very close to the nature. You know, Exam has a beautiful beautiful campus. So we spoke about the the Exwalk thing, but before that I myself used to take a lot of you know by myself I used to take a lot of walks uh around the campus, you know, towards the side of the uh you know of the father's residence. uh and towards the side of so that's towards the right side of the campus if you were to face the boys hostel uh and towards the extreme left which is where the md uh, what do you call that mdc right the, mdc yes sir. the staff quarters and everything the teachers professors quarters and everything that we used to have um uh, towards that side it used to be very green and there was a tennis court and a lot of trees around that we used to so i used to be very close to nature i used to spend a lot of time there sit by myself uh over there read something um you know or just sit down and think uh and uh, uh so that was another thing a lot of birds all around or squirrels all around um uh um so that was another fond memory uh, the other thing of course was ex cafe there was always it was fascinating you know um when i i remember when i first came to xmb i used to love the food but as it always happens if you get served the same thing over and over again you get tired and bored of bored of it so you uh, really when you hear alum speak about the campus and speak about the life at xmb you you can sense the amount of love they have even after you know passing yeah um nostalgia sometimes uh, you know has 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 the odd habit of making even the ordinary uh, seem uh, something wonderful um a lot of years later okay um so i personally believe that uh every batch uh of students uh 
must be feeling uh, after they have passed out and let's say after a few years they must be feeling oh we were the best batch and what a wonderful time we had and everything nowadays when we go there we don't get the same feeling and things like that um uh, every 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 individual feels that his or her past was the best uh, uh, in in the entire timeline of events and that is exactly what it was in my batch and all the other batches of the past so i don't really think you guys are missing on anything um it's very important that you live your life to the fullest and that's all that you are doing and that's absolutely beautiful well we are at the fag end of the interview but we just cannot let you go without reading a paragraph of your choice from any one of your books um let me see so this this book of mine um which is uh, called the disappearance of sally sequira it's a part of a series um it's a, a series that i created with a detective of mine detective character of mine his name is janardhan maithi as you mentioned and i am just going to read a passage from it um it's called tony's story that's how the passage begins 524 steps tony knew the lighthouse on top of the small hill in movim beach pressing his palm softly along the wall to his right tony climbed the stairs mining the half empty bottle of toddy in his other hand tony reached the top and stopped for a few seconds at the doorway that led to the observation deck which the locals including him simply referred to as the balcony as his breathing became normal and his pulse sort slowed down his mind went back to a fair little face a face that had given him hope in his otherwise beautiful life tony shut his eyes and a small tear drop rolled down his coarse and pockmarked cheek the toddy had taken full effect by now tony shut his eyes hard, hard and opened them again shaking his head hard to try and steady his vision a few meters above his head the beacon rotated silently in a glass enclosure two tiny pencils of light passing through a strange looking contraption to come out as two powerful beams that would be visible to seafarers even from a great distance taking a couple of big swigs out of his bottle tony staggered dangerously towards the northern side of the balcony once he had covered a quarter of the arc he collapsed on the floor barely managing to save himself from falling face first he grimaced in pain and then laughed out loud the bottle of toddy had survived small miracles in a cruel world and then all of a sudden he stopped laughing grabbed the wall for support and perched himself up on his elbow because the sweetest and most wonderful sound had come riding the soft sea breeze from the sandy beach the professor was playing his piano like a moth that pulls itself towards the flame tony dragged himself along the coarse and uneven floor towards the railing on reaching which he stuck his face out of the gap between the arched iron rods and looked at the moonlit moving beach down below sally a soft whisper escaped tony's lips as his tears continued to stream down his cheeks like a tender bud shivering moments away from full bloom stood the girl he loved although he was several hundred years away from where she was standing tony knew in his heart that she was smiling as she raised his hands above her head and swayed to the music floating in the air her sweet little face was washed by the moonlight as she looked up at the lighthouse against the dark sky not knowing that the man who loved her so so dearly was watching her from up there she would never know because tony would never tell her no matter how much his heart ached for her he couldn't tell her that he was in love with her he knew he was too ugly too miserable too lowly for someone like her he wept in joy 
and for his unrequited love as he watched his angel dance to the tune of the piano on the moonlit beach from the top of the lighthouse. A strange sense of contentment filled his entire being. The piano played on. The waves crashed against the rocks. The moon watched the proceedings in composed silence. After a time, Tony looked up with a smile on his lips and tears in his eyes. What just happened? Where had she gone? She had been there just a moment ago. With a frown, Tony tried to pick himself up from the floor to have a better look and in doing so, accidentally kicked the bottle off the balcony. Tony staggered like a madman along the arc of the railing that faced the beach. With trembling fingers, he wiped his tears to clear his blurry vision and narrowed his eyes to focus on the beach. The waves still crashed against the rocks. The beacon still rotated with grave dignity and unwavering devotion. The moon still bathed the sandy beach and the grove of palms beyond the shore with its magical light. And the soothing piano still played on. But amidst all this, just like that, Sally Sequira had disappeared. I have just one word, wow. Like the imagery that you used, like, uh, I felt as if I was there. I could see it with my eyes. Thank you so much, sir, for gracing um, an episode with your presence. Uh, this is the Xavier Uncovered podcast. Thank you very much. Well, it was wonderful uh, being on the Xavier Uncovered po- podcast. Um, I uh, am going to be a regular listener from now on. And uh, I think it was great talking to you, Anindo, and, uh, you know, reminiscing some of the uh, fond memories from the past and uh, well, I gotta be on campus very soon, I guess. Uh, I don't think I'll be able to stay away from campus for too long. So once this entire uh, pandemic and lockdown and all of this is over, I'd love to be back on campus, back in X-Cafe, uh, back on the X-Walk, perhaps, with my wife. And uh, once again, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, sir. We would love to have you back on campus. Thank you so much. 